everyone. Oh, wow. Like, that was most of you. That was intense. <laughs> and if you said it through live stream, that's even better, you know? <laughs> so very excited to get into the September series. Uh, I, I know that many of you have enjoyed the summer series, but, you know, when you talk about the Bible, it's good to lay the foundations for things that we do that flow from the Bible. And a big one is generosity. And so as we get into that September series, just very excited to share some of the plans and some of the stuff that we have for the future and just how we're gonna impact Fenton and beyond together. So make sure you're out for that, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, continuing on in God's plan, this is my last Sunday doing this series, and I'm very emotional about it right now. Like, I, I, I feel it, like, right in here. It could have been something I ate last night as well, but... <laughs> so, so bear with me. Not that I'm a super energetic person anyway, but, you know, we, we might be a little bit even lower this morning. <laughs> so... As I was thinking and praying about this uh, series, I, I get the privilege of talking about uh, the letters today, um, Paul's letters, Peter's letters, John's letters, and you know, I, I, I wanted something to kind of show the, I don't know, the, uh, the great thing that we have. We have a great country, don't we? Yeah, yeah, it's legit. We have a great country. And I think with our country, we have the opportunity to, to see this greatness in front of us, to know that the birth of something was a powerful, powerful thing. A powerful thing. And I love that from the beginning, I mean, you see these sides here. I know I'm not supposed to, but, you know, I'm doing it anyway. You see these sides here, and you see our, the people that saw freedom and that knew oppression and the people that, that understood that there was more that understood that there was more. And then there were people on this side that thought that they were right. People on this side that thought that there was ah, a certain way to do life, that thought that there was a certain avenue to exist. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for freedom. Thank you that each of us has the opportunity to love you, to serve you, that we live in a country that offers these great chances, Lord. Yeah. Thank you that you are a God that values freedom. You're a God that values life. You're a God that values us. 
Well, it's in your name we pray. Amen. And I look at these pictures, and I go through, I, I look at this, the lives that were lost, the signing of, you know, many people think that the, the Declaration of Independence was like the end of the war, but it wasn't. It was actually the beginning. <laughs> 1776, it was signed, and it was, it, it was a, a declaration. We are free. We're free. And Britain's like, oh, that's so nice. Look at you, cutie. The war actually lasted for like seven years longer than that. Claiming freedom. And then the war is over. There's this, this like massive fight for freedom, a symbol of that freedom, and then it's done. It's all finished. And if we're not careful, we have to understand that when foundations are set, when foundations are laid, there's a very important question that comes next. And that question is, Based on that foundation, now what? Now what do we do? So this war is fought. Freedom, oppression for them is like it's, it's done. You know what I'm saying? Now what? Now what do we do? What, what are the next steps that happens? And so this is uh, the signing of the Constitution. So for years, this wasn't until 1789, for years, the war, like they kind of existed with a, a set of, of rules, but, but it was like, okay, we need something sure here. And so they, this is the way that our country is going to be governed. This is the way that our country is going to be run. And so they lay that out. For us, for believers, Salvation was that war. Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that you and I could be free from the penalty of sin and death. And so when we look at that, and I'm not, please don't like, you know, America, the righteous fight, like that's not what I... <laughs> but there's great parallels in the sense that what we have freedom-wise, what we have was fought for. And, and if you're a believer in this room, you've confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you are free from that penalty. You are alive in Christ. Now what? Now what do I do? And I want you to think back in those moments of salvation. You get saved and you're, you're on an emotional high. You're like, oh, what? like, yes. Woo! Wait, I can't do what anymore? <laughs> I have to, uh, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> All right. So there was a foundation that's laid, you being saved, and then there are expectations placed upon you for those of you that are believers in this room. Listen, if you're a believer in this room, you looking at me? You got me here? Yeah? 
I, know I wore pink for this reason, like right here. God cares about how you live. God cares about your behavior and lays down expectations for that behavior. He cares. Oh, no, no, God and I, we got like a special relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like me and the big guy, stop. God places the same behavioral expectations on every believer. Is he a God of grace? Yes. Yes. Is he a God with incredible mercy? Oh, absolutely. But he's a God of great standards. And he's a God that is holy. And you and I would be naive to think that God doesn't care about your and my behavior. And so the letters give us an opportunity to see what God cares about. Because as these churches were all established, Paul, like these, these are not the establishing of these churches. These churches were set up so believers began to meet together in these places because of Peter, because of Paul, because of whoever. And then these letters were written back to them to show, hey, <laughs> you know, like, the guy who's sleeping with his father's wife, that's not good. You should stop. That's in there. You know? You shouldn't have to be told that. And yet, they did. And how many things in our society today that it's like, we do this thing, and it's like, yeah, you shouldn't have to be told that that's dumb. You know? And even for us as believers, I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember which service I said it in, but, you know, the, the reason that people are, tend to be more upset with believers, I think, because of behavioral failings is because, like, we have a better way. Because the behavioral expectations for us is higher than for everybody else. Oh, that's not fair. You didn't ask for fair when you saw You asked for, like, freedom, freedom, you know? And with that come, the gift itself is free, but don't think for a second that there aren't some expectations afterwards. And so these are the books that we have. These are the letters that were written all to these New Testament churches that were popping, this new exciting time. And these people needed to be fed and they needed to understand that the Holy Spirit expects certain things. Guys, you're doing this, and it's amazing. Keep going, and we're praying for you. Hey, that's not a great idea. You should stop. And that's what these books are. That's what all of them are. And so the same as I did for the, um, for the prophets, I'm going to do for these. This is the chronological order of the books. So, you know, what, what we have in the Bible, you know, it's the biblical order, but this is actually the order that they were all written in. And it's good because if you read through Acts, you can see a lot of the, you know, issues that some of these books brings up, you know, some of the common names and stuff like that, just as a good little cross-reference and understanding that the Bible confirms the Bible. You know what I'm saying? That's a good thing. So I go through all of these, 
And really, with the exception of like Hebrews, which has no intro, First John, which has an intro, but it's not really specific, James, which is to Christians, but specifically Jewish Christians, these letters were written to believers. They're all written to believers. Present, future, in order to encourage and correct if, if Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Now, I'm going to say something about this. I'm going to hop up on a soapbox. <laughs> that was my hopping move. <laughs> God cares about how everybody lives. Everybody. You and I, as believers, are free. We're alive. His concern for us is, is morally, anyway, is how we live. Job-wise, yours and I's job is to preach the gospel, make disciples. Morally, we live the way God wants us to live. The world cannot understand that. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. These laws and ways and desires and behavioral expectations that God has cannot be placed on the world. They're placed on you. And so often we point our finger at the world and we say, you're not living this way, you're not doing this. They, can't, they don't understand. Our major expectation for the world, our major responsibility, listen, if somebody stops lying and cheating and stealing, but they're not saved, they're still dying and going to hell. And their behavior is the least of their worries. Now, I'm not saying that it means that we just go, oh, sweetheart, do whatever you want. You know, like, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that these books, these letters are written to us. We measure our lives against them, not the lives of a world that doesn't know who Jesus is. Be careful with that. And Paul actually says at one point, I, I think I have the verse in here, so I might be jumping ahead of myself, but I, I don't judge the church or I don't judge people outside the church. That's not my position. I judge you in the church, you know. You're like, oh, that's <laughs> great. Our concern for people that do not know Jesus is that they would come to know Jesus. That's our first priority with them. You want to talk about the second priority being morality? Fine. But our first priority with them before we lecture on behavior or legislate behavior is that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Okay? So let's get into this behavior. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
you and I should not be doing these things. And I know we kind of like, we, we have this almost romanticized version of evil. You know, evil is the, oh, over there in the corner, and they're, I don't know, enter crazy evil example right now that I can't really think of. <laughs> That's what we think evil is. And, and so we kind of romanticize, I think, some of these things to think that they're not in or around our everyday lives. And they absolutely are. We shouldn't do them. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. We do not do these things as believers. He does not want us to do them. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. You're like, wow, you're going to throw that one in there? You know, like all of these like crazy things and disobedient to parent is like, ouch. <laughs> Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, lecherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. I don't want you to do this stuff. I don't want you to be this way. I don't want, I have behavioral expectations for you. That's what God is saying. I have behavioral expectations for you. And these people, these types of people will not be in the kingdom. And we have a, a, a tendency to kind of look at that and say, well, I can't, well, I, and this isn't, this is God saying these are the terms. Now that the foundation has been set, I don't want you to live this way. I want you to be set apart. I want you to live morally different. And these are the expectations that I have. The author of life sets the expectations for the people who follow him. And that's okay. And, and we can't be so wrapped up in what we cannot do that we miss what we actually signed up for. You're alive in Christ. And that amazing gift, we have the opportunity to then live the way he asks us to live. That's huge. And that's okay for God to ask, and we should be following it. And this is Paul. For what I have to do with judging outsiders... Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside? God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. And this is what I was talking about earlier with the man who, he, he's sleeping 
with his father's wife. I don't know why it's worded that way. I don't know if it was his mom. I don't know if it was the stepmom. I don't know if dad's still alive. I, that's just weird, man. <laughs> but Paul is saying, like, you guys just let this guy roam amongst you like everything's okay. No, no. And there's a biblical, there's a biblical hierarchy of confrontation that happens. I come to you, I say, hey, this is not cool, man. And the Bible says, if, if your brother turns, you've, you've won your brother, awesome. But if they don't, you take a person and you go, and it reaches the point where there very well could be, if somebody has just an unrepentant heart that hurts this body, we ask them to go. Well, that's not merciful. It's merciful for you. And if we allow God to take care of their hearts instead of allowing them to exist within their sin, and that's, can I just like, uh, I did get down off the soapbox. I just want to let you guys know I'm going to jump back on another one. <laughs> People, I think, sometimes mistake our name with how we judge things here. And so they go, oh, the Freedom Center, like anything flies. And it's like, no. <laughs> and the purpose isn't to be curmudgeons, you know, or to be stodgy. The purpose is to help all of us live the way God wants us to live. That's what we should be doing for each other. If I see a friend walking towards a cliff and I go, yeah, he'll be all right blindfold on, and sometimes we see people running towards cliffs blindfolds on, and we go, ha, you know, what if he thinks I'm weird for saying that he's heading towards a cliff, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's what we have the opportunity to do with each other with sin. I mean, I think if I were to ask for a raise of hands, how many of us in this room have walked paths that it feels so good to be on the other side of loving Jesus or, or, and, and trying to do what he wants us to do, we'd say, man, I wish somebody would have told me earlier to stop being a fool. Or, man, I would have listened to them when they told me to stop being a fool, and I'm thankful that I had people in my lives to do that. And that's what we get to do for, for each other with this. And I mean, there's something for every, you know, marriage, parenting, friendship, our financial dealings, what this should look like, social justice. It's not just a liberal word, like it's actually in the Bible, you know? Gender roles, how we confront each other, forgiveness, managing success, how we deal with our emotions, anxiety, encouragement, identity. All of this stuff is there. The Holy Spirit, through these men, addresses all of this stuff and more in the letters. How you, it is like this wonderful, comprehensive guide of how you and I could operate, should operate. And it's amazing because we have a foundation built on salvation. God cares about how you live. 
God cares about what I do. God cares about how I live when the doors are open and when the doors are closed. He cares. So now, I, I have to get into this area because so much of Scripture does talk about this, and that's the Holy Spirit. So I kind of laid the groundwork, I think, and hope anyway, for part one of this where we have Acts, and it's this like powerful, like, whoom, we have the Holy Spirit, okay? It's here. We've got the Holy Spirit. Awesome. And then, <laughs> once again, these churches that were established... Paul writes back to some of them, Peter writes back to some of them, John writes back to someone, not just how to live morally, but how the Holy Spirit works and works in order. And so Acts was kind of this like, whoa, yes! And then they start gathering together, and Paul is like, oh, snaps. Uh, <laughs> don't do that, <laughs> you know? This is chaotic. Let's not, oh, okay, guys. And so I, I do want to introduce you to, oh, we're going to get into it here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I grew up a cessationist. So a cessationist is someone who believes that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They were for establishing the church, things like healing, Prophecy, tongues, doesn't happen today. Not through people, anyway. Okay. Uh, continuationism, that's what we're a Pentecostal church. That's what we believe, that all the gifts are active and living today. And so there's this argument that has been raging for quite some time now. And if you were unaware of it, you are now aware of it. Nobody outside the church cares about this for whatever it's worth. But I've been on both sides. I, I've, I've been a cessationist. And I, I walked into these doors a cessationist. And I saw you guys, and I'm like, no, y'all are wrong. And had many of those conversations. You know, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit changes a few things when you do that. And it didn't start there. You know, I had a friend who was diagnosed with cancer. And a week later, she was totally healed. And I go, huh. <laughs> That's uh, curious. <laughs> and then, and I've heard people speak in tongues before, and it was like, oh, dear Lord, what the heck is this nonsense? And I was in a, this prayer meeting or whatever, and this girl was there, and she started speaking in tongues. I started to cry. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever heard in my life. And I don't think I understood quite then, but I really believe that I somewhere in here interpreted that and it was like whoa this is like freaky as crap you know like i don't know what's going on right now and then i was baptized in the holy spirit at a men's ministry night and that was weird but it was amazing 
Because everything that I knew meshed with this experience, and I went, okay, I get it. I think that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit today is the thing that will and always will actively bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It can be, but it is not primarily for our own self-help. It is not primarily for us to exist within this room. There are some of them that happen that way, absolutely. But man, I want to see the day when we operate in the, when words of knowledge go towards people to bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. Where healing happens outside of these rooms, where we're bold enough to walk in the Spirit in ways that people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus because they don't care about your good God anymore. They don't care about my moral God anymore. But power brings people to Jesus. Power, not for ourselves, not so that I could put money in my back pocket or feel good about myself when I leave this room, but power so that an unsaving, unbelieving world will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we use them for to encourage and edify here so that we can go out there and preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 kind of give the, uh, you know, 12 is kind of the what, and I'm going to go kind of back and forth here, but gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, power, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, which is discernment, Tongues, interpretation of tongues, helping and administration are the ones that are named there. And at 12 is kind of the what. It's the, these are all the gifts. These are what is available. This is, and somewhere along the line, we began to value gifts more than other gifts. Where things like speaking in tongues and healing and prophecy, man, like they, they're like, they're the good Pentecostal gifts. And it's like, what? I, you know, Dina, I'm going to call you out here in a good way. <laughs> I think Dina has the gift of administration. Because, yeah, you should clap at that. Because... I don't think any of you understand what it means to keep people like us in order. And I, like I say that joking, I'm not joking. Like you laugh, you're like, oh, no, no, man, I can't, Jesus almighty. We're, we're former, you know, I came from a job, you know, I know it's like camping, but like I hired 60 people a summer. I was boss. I made the programs, I set the tone, I hired, I fired, I, and then I came here and it was like, this is the vision. And you're, sometimes you're like, is it now? <laughs> and her and Pastor Jim is like, yes, it is. You know? <laughs> 
And we've got former business owners, and we've got people that answered call to ministry that were used to being the boss. And she does an amazing job of being like, what's the, what's the bringing it back to, it's not, so, so who said this? It's not herding cats, it's herding lions, you know? Like, that's, that's harder. <laughs> but I, I, I think she has that gift. Who says that that's less than tongues? Who says when you have wisdom and people come to you and God gives you words of knowledge for them or great wisdom for them, who says that healing is more important than that? It's not anywhere in there. As a matter of fact, there are things that the Bible talks about that you should seek less. Maybe some gifts that we might be surprised that have become definitions of what it means to be Pentecostal. The Holy Spirit gives to who he gives for the purpose of edifying the body and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And whatever that gifting is that flows through your life, you be honored. I'd be honored to have it. Whatever it is. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God. You have wonderful personalities and wonderful gifts that all flow from one God. Same source. I don't know where I was. <laughs> but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not for you and I to get ahead. Not for you and I to make a prominent name. For the common good. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts. That's not in importance order, by the way. If you want to argue with me on that, I can see you out in the tables afterwards. That's not like a threat, like, I, like seriously. <laughs> like, I would love to talk about that with you. That's not an importance order. It's in the Greek, I'm telling you. <laughs> Then miracles, then gifts. So people are like, uh, I'm going to avoid the tables. No, come sign up. <laughs> then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. I may or may not get some flack from this. I do not believe, reading this, that every believer has access to every gift. We all have different parts. Some of you will heal. God will heal people through you, and some of you won't. I have never prayed for a person and had them be healed. Never. But I've had gifts of knowledge for people. Do I desire it? Sure, whatever. I don't care. But what I want 
is for God to operate through me the way that he wants to operate through me. And it, what these levels that we place on things and comparisons, there are certain people, and I'm totally fine with this, if I got a crink in my back or a pain in my stomach like this morning, I'm going to go to them and say, pray for me. Because I know that they have a gifting in that area. And that's okay. It's okay that they have it and I don't because I have other gifts. It's okay. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is for the encouragement of the church and the spreading of the gospel. That's what this is for. That's what all this is for. Stand to your feet. I have no piano today because I didn't want piano today. And not at all knocking piano. Normally piano is the go home. Service is ending. I don't want this to end for you. I don't want these thoughts to end for you. And I want you to stand there with you and God and your thoughts, understanding that the Holy Spirit desires to move through you, to bless the person next to you, and to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. The Holy Spirit desires to work through your life, through my life, to impact my brothers and sisters in Christ, and to show a world that doesn't know Jesus who he is. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he wants to do it through you and through me. We have to expose ourselves to the outside world in order to show them Christ. Like, you actually have to do stuff and tell them about Jesus, preach the gospel, and then we have to interact with each other here, make disciples. And I, you know, yes, it's a convenient plug for life groups and whatnot, but man, like, just be friends with each other. Use those giftings to bless each other. I've had people, it was when I first started coming here, Man, I hated myself. I was neck deep in pornography addiction. I just, I did not like who I was. And that was in my I can't sit in worship, you know, phase. And I was going out. There used to have tables underneath the awning out front here. And I was going out, and this girl, no idea who she was, never saw her after this moment. She bumps into me, and I'm walking out, and she's walking in, and she turns, and she goes, hey, God loves you. Thanks, Ace, you know? But what I realize now is that God was using, I, I, in that moment, I was so down on myself that I just, whatever. But I look back on that so fondly because God was using the gift of knowledge in somebody's life to try to reach me. And he wants to do the same through you and I with each other. And then he wants to do it through you and I 
to show a world who Jesus is. But we look at these giftings, and again, I'm going to say something that some may or may not believe in. Our, our focus is so heavily on these giftings that I, Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of the Spirit in our lives is not whether or not you pray for someone and have them healed, primarily. It's not. It's not what the Bible says. Not whether or not you prophesy. Not whether or not you speak in tongues. It's this. The fruit of the Spirit, capital S. The proof that the Holy Spirit exists in your life is how well you love. How much peace you have. How much patience you have. How much kindness you have. Are you good? Are you faithful? Are you gentle? Are you self-controlled? That is the proof of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. There's so much focus on that stuff. There's so much focus on the giftings, and rightfully so. It's, it's powerful, and it makes people feel like they have, like, the force or something. I don't know. But that's the proof. That's the proof. That's the stuff that we overlook. How much love do you have? How much joy do you have? How much peace do you have? How much patience do you have? Because those are the things that are the proof of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life. Ushers, you can, or not ushers, uh, altar team, you can come to the front. I know it's silent and it's weird for you, you know. But I want you to grasp this. That the proof of the Holy Spirit is that stuff in your life and that he wants to work with you. He wants to work through you. He wants to work in you. Not just for your good. I wouldn't even say primarily for your good. But for the good of those around you and the good of the people out there who don't know who he is. He loves you, absolutely. He wants what's best for you, and he is what's best for you. But man, he wants to work through you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you are living and active today just the same as you were then. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us exactly what we need, God. Like, we need your word. We need your spirit, Lord. We need each other. So I pray that whatever walls we've set up, whatever denial, whatever pain or unforgiveness or offense that we would place in the way, whatever behavioral whatever that we're doing right now, whatever sin that we're neck deep in that stops us from having you work through us the way you desire to work through us, Lord, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that it would end, that it would stop, that forgiveness would happen and repentance would happen and whatever else needs to happen would happen. 
thank you for showing us a better way. And I pray that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control as your spirit gives would flow through everybody in this room and that an unbelieving world would see a powerful, powerful God who loves them so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, come forward. If you don't,